Abounding in Faith is the broadcast ministry of Emmanuel Bible Church of Howell, New Jersey. If you are blessed by this message, please subscribe to our podcast or YouTube channel. You can also download our app by searching for IBCNJ in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. For more information, please visit us at www.ibcnj.org. So uh, one of the privileges we have from time to time is to have a guest speaker. Uh, This particular guest speaker is uh, dear to me personally. Uh, There have been four pastors that have served in the life of this church. You know, this church was founded 53 years ago. And Pastor Paul Juris uh, came for our 50th and was the guest speaker then. And then when I learned that he goes back and forth between May Maine and Florida twice a year I said okay you got to come and speak again Uh, and so Pastor Paul Juris is going to be with us today he served 12 years here and just a little interesting tidbit he and his wife Joyce and their five children five right yep I got it right Uh, they um, when he arrived this building was not built yet the foundation was starting to be poured uh, dirt was moved around, but the general contractor had problems and absconded. And Pastor Paul Juris, who has a little bit of a construction background, wound up coming and pretty much shouldering the general contracting duties. And, and we're in this building partially because of his faithfulness and his family's faithfulness uh, to bring it up. And it's, it's a good church building. You did a great job. So 12 years of service. <laughs> And uh, a great, great legacy. So many people have been touched. Why don't we give a warm welcome to the pastor? Pastor Joe gave Joyce and I a, a tour last spring of all your ministries. And I'm just so excited to see what the Lord has done and continues to do it's just a it's just a wonderful thing it's just a little bit a little bit of heaven when you when you see that and i'm glad i have the privilege of being a kindred spirit uh, with joe and i thank you for his patience he he he, he was faithful in asking me to come and and seeing if we could work out the covid really kind of messed that up for a couple of years but i i'm glad he was still persistent and uh, gave me that opportunity. And I think it was totally appropriate that we had a baptism today. <clears throat> and uh, how many in your family did I have the privilege of baptizing? Wow. Generational baptisms. Wow. I remember that when we had baptismal services, Uh, the Lord put it on my heart that I always preached on the subject of baptism and I encouraged everyone who is going to be baptized to invite all their friends and relatives especially those who may not know Christ as Savior because it was an an excellent opportunity to do that and actually uh, what I'm going to be preaching about uh, is is something that Caleb did he wrote out his own testimony and shared it with you. 
The title of my message is The Power of a Written Presentation of the Gospel. John 20 and verse 31, you have it in your uh, Bibles, obviously, but you have it also, and thank you for including the text there. John 20, 31 clearly explains the Apostle's purpose and inspiration for writing the fourth account of Jesus' earthly ministry. And he wrote that in approximately 85 A.D., that was quite a while after the other three Gospels that we call the Synoptic Gospels. And isn't it interesting that the Synoptic Gospels are called the Synoptic Gospels because they have pretty much the same information in them and it gives you a three-point vantage point of, of all those events. And they, they were powerfully used in the first century and you would think, Practically speaking, would it make any sense to write another gospel when these three gospels were doing such an excellent job of spreading the gospel over the Roman Empire? But John states that purpose. It was, <clears throat> now you could say, well, who wrote the gospel of John? You say, uh, the Holy Spirit did. Oh, and John did. Both are true. That's one of those by-truths in the Bible that uh, we need to get a hold of. Uh, of it, they didn't alternate words. They did it at the same time because all Scripture is given by what? Inspiration of God. So it was something that God initiated, <clears throat> but John was excited to do because John probably was the apostle that was closest to Jesus than any of the other disciples. Let me paraphrase verse 31 a little bit. The purpose, the Holy Spirit, the Apostle John's purpose in writing this book is that the reader would believe the absolute truth that Jesus is God the Messiah in human flesh and that believing in him will enable anyone to experience Christ's everlasting life. I don't think there's any way we could calculate this. Maybe God can help us when we get to heaven. How many lost souls have received everlasting life in Christ by reading and believing the truth of the gospel of John? Think about that. The first century was evangelized by both the spoken and the written word. When I was in seminary, I had the privilege of, of taking a course that doesn't sound very interesting, but I loved it. It was called textual criticism. And I, I'm, I'm glad that God created people that were willing to do this, okay? What, what does a textual criticism, this is hot, by the, this, is, this is what they do. They, they, they get copies of all the manuscripts of, of the New Testament. Let's just take the Gospel of John. 
all the manuscripts of the New Testament that have been recovered. Do you know that there are more manuscripts of the New Testament recovered? There's probably... I'm not, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say this. I'm going to throw out a number out. At least hundreds of times more than any other other writing of the same era. Caesar's Gallic Wars, uh, the, uh, the Iliad and all these. We have all these ancient things because people have discovered the manuscripts. And you know how many, you know how many uh, manuscripts there are of Caesar's Gallic Wars? I happen to remember it. Ten. The Iliad and the Odyssey, maybe five. But nobody doubts whether they're legitimate. Nobody says, well, I wonder if they, they got messed up. Do you, know, do you know how many manuscripts they've discovered of the New Testament? It, I, I think the number is coming, when I went to seminary, it was 5,000. That was a long time ago. I think they're up to six. They should be up to 6,000. And here, now here's what a textual critic does. He's got five to 6,000 copies to deal with and he puts them all together and he compares all the, all the things that are exactly right and things that are a little bit different. We have a more sure word of prophecy than you can imagine. God not only gave us revelation he not only inspired people to write his word without error, but he has promised to preserve his word. I like the way Jesus put it, didn't you? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And then Jesus really got technical here. He said, not one jot or tittle of the word of God is going to pass away until every bit of it is fulfilled. The Word of God is something that it was in the mind of God for all eternity. You know what a jot, any Hebrew scholars here? You know what a jot or a tittle is? It's kind of the equivalent of dotting an I and crossing a T. It's, it, it distinguishes Hebrew letters, Hebrew consonants. And Jesus Christ said that's how certain the absolute truth of the Word of God is. My proposition has already been stated in connection with the baptismal service. The Great Commission compels every Christian to clearly communicate the life-transforming truth of the Gospel. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for uh, people who, who uh, who are able to preach on street corners. I, I, I admire those people. I haven't done that very often. It's for every believer. The Great Commission compels every Christian to clearly communicate the life-transforming truth of the gospel. And let's, let's get a biblical definition for what we're talking about. Now, basically, the word gospel simply means good news. It's the best news that the human race, the fallen human race, has ever had. But it's defined in 1 Corinthians 15 as the death, 
burial, and resurrection of Christ according to the scriptures. Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose from the dead just exactly as the Bible said. Now, if you want to even make that a little bit more inclusive, it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and it was the fact that he was seen by people after he was resurrected. And on one occasion, there was about 500 of them who had witnessed the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Does God give us assurances of things? He went to a whole lot of trouble to do that. that that's the absolute certainty that Jesus Christ is the only one who's really qualified to be our Savior. Every unsaved person God providentially brings into our lives is an opportunity to share the gospel. The, the, the gospel of Christ through our conduct, and words. When a child is young and they don't quite know how to express themselves, the mother will say to them, use your words. <laughs> My wife says that to me now. <clears throat> I'm getting so old that my forgetter is out, way outgoing, working my memory. And, uh, and some things I could call to my remembrance before, I, I, can't, I can't do that. But uh, I, I'm thankful that I, that, that I have a wife that, uh, whose mind is operating much better than mine is. But I have four simple points. As you can tell, this is not really an expository sermon. This is a practical sermon. It's meant to challenge you. And I hope if you haven't already done what I'm proposing to you from the Word of God, that you will really follow through and do this. I'm glad that there's going to be a discussion time after this because there's a whole bunch more stuff I want to say here. And if you'll let me be there, I'll, I'll, I'll be there uh, because I know I, I can't finish everything I, I should. But, um, let's see, it's 10.46. When, when am I supposed to be done? Quar quar quarter after? 10 after? Oh, 10 after 11. Whew. Boy, <laughs> time goes fast when I'm preaching, but I didn't think it went. Okay, all right, good. All right. Every, uh, as I said, every unsaved person God providentially brings into your, our lives is an opportunity to share the gospel of Christ through our conduct and words. You've heard people say, I've heard people say this, I'd rather see a sermon lived than have to hear one preached. The point is God makes it clear that he wants us to do both. He wants us to be living our lives in such a way that people will do what uh, 1 Peter 3, is it 2 Peter 3.15 says. It says, Sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an, an answer to anyone who would ask you what? A reason of the hope that is within you. Who is our hope? It's Jesus Christ. 
And, and, and Peter is challenging us. Now, Peter uh, at, at times uh, was ashamed of the fact that he was a coward. He, he denied Christ and he, he never got over that. But he was the same one that was able to stand up on the day of Pentecost and fearlessly give the gospel to that crowd of people. And three, as we witnessed earlier, 3,000 people were saved, baptized, and added to the church. I've written down four things here that I, I just want to encourage you to do. And uh, um, let, let me just preface it by saying this. Um, my perspective of the kind of witness that God wants every Christian to be for the Lord changed uh, after uh, I stopped being a pastor for a while. Okay, keep, keep in mind, I, I went to, right out of high school, I went to Bible college. Right out of Bible college, I went to seminary, and then I became a pastor. So as an adult, I was never what they call a lay person. <laughs> and, you know, how do, how do pastors uh, share the gospel with people? Well, they preach it for them pulpit, and they give an invitation, hopefully. Uh when they when they when somebody visits and you go call on somebody you you try to share the gospel with them uh, i i can thank god that here in in uh, new jersey i was born and raised in minnesota it's quite a bit different than new jersey as you probably heard me say a few times uh they, people would say, you know, I've been trying to explain the gospel to this person. Would you help me? It was a great opportunity. And, and when, when I was pastor here, one of the things I, that really the Lord laid on my heart was, was to do discipling. And, and uh, when people came to Christ, I wanted to disciple them. And so I made a little booklet to uh, help them on the way. And I remember some of the, some of the Bible studies I had with people they would invite friends, and this was great. And we had a little agreement going, okay? Uh, when anybody, when a visitor comes, especially if they may not know Christ as Savior, we're going back to lesson one, which was how to be sure of your salvation, and it would go through the gospel. And you know, many people were led to Christ that way. So you see, the, a, a pastor's function is kind of different. But then, when for the first time in my life, when I came, finally, when I was... 52 years old, I became a lay, lay, what they call a lay person. And I was absolutely amazed at how many opportunities God gave me to witness. And then disciple people. And it was a, on a personal, one-on-one -on -one basis. And it was people that, that God obviously, providentially... Uh, uh, led into my life and because I tried to, to, I tried to keep a spiritual conduct and a demeanor in front of them, they would ask me. I remember working and having my boss say, say, say how do you know? I'm in love with this girl. How do you know if she's the right one? He asked me that because I, I talked about spiritual things. Well, that opened the door for me to give the gospel to him and to her, to disciple them, and even let me uh, perform the marriage. <laughs> that wasn't even a, uh, officially a pastor. And I said, this is, this is really 
fun. But we've got to be aware of it. Okay, here, here let me get that. I, that's too much of an introduction to that. But okay, Let, let's just get into what we're talking about. Number one, and I, I, if you haven't done this, even if you have, do it, done, do it again. Write down on paper, or you people are computers, you can just put it in your computer. I, no way I could do that because I'm a computer illiterate and proud of it. Um, write and memorize write and memorize your personal testimony of salvation in Christ. Write it out. And I'll even give you a three-point outline. I think you've probably even heard this outline. And that is simply what your life was like, one paragraph or one page on what your life was like before you received Christ the Savior. Number two, how you specifically came to the point where you realized that Christ was the only one who could save you. You cannot save yourself and you placed your trust, you, you repented of sin and placed your trust in Christ. And you, you described, give it the most detail you can. Tell them how you felt and what you believed. And then you can, for the third paragraph or a third page, you can write what my life has been like since that. Every do you realize the advantage of this? For many of us, including myself, it's hard to be a witness. Because we, we don't... When you get an opportunity to witness and the Lord's like, okay, to, to, uh, most of us are very nervous and very fearful and think that we're going to say the wrong thing or offend the person. There's all kinds of things Satan brings into our minds and hearts when we have that opportunity. But the best way to prepare for it is to write it out and then memorize it. Now, there's advantages to this. If you witness to people by sharing your own personal testimony, who is the number one authority in the whole world on that subject? You are. Okay, it's kind of nice to be speaking about the thing that you know the best. <laughs> okay, and, and you personally experienced it. Now, another advantage of this is when, when you just simply share how you came to know Christ as your Savior, you're not putting their belief or their church or their way of thinking down. You're not saying, well, yeah, yeah you're, you know, you're all wrong. You've you got to stop doing that and you've got to put your trust in Christ. It may be true, but but you're simply telling them how it happened to you. And so it's not, it's not uh, as offensive. It puts the focus on, wow, God did that. You mean God did that for you? Well, I was wondering how, how you work things out, okay? They, they might even know you pretty well. Number two, let your convictions, actions, and words communicate that you are a true Christian. You will be you will be most effective in presenting the gospel when your life, your testimony, your outward testimony, how people perceive you to be lines up with what the word of God says it should be. Um Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because the power of God unto salvation 
to everyone who believes. And I'm going to requote Second Timothy 3.15. 3, uh, Sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready to give an answer to anyone who would ask you a, of, a reason, of a reason of the hope that is within you. If you're not living a Christian life, if you're a backslidden Christian or one, one who's ashamed to talk about spiritual things or stand up for what, what God says is right, are, the, are gonna, people going to ask you for the reason that the, the hope that's in you? You say, they'd be thinking about, I thought that guy was a Christian. Looks to me like he's a hypocrite. Okay? If we say we're a Christian, if people know we're a Christian, there should be some obvious things in our lives that demonstrate that. And here's another advantage. If people see the, the blessing and joy of, of, of being a Christian in your life, not that you just uh, don't do things, but, but that you have joy and peace, that, you know, and they know you a little bit, God's going to put it in their heart and they're going to say, how, how, come, how come you have so much joy when you're going through difficulty? Your pastor is a good example of that. Okay, I, I know that he's battling some serious physical problems. And uh, you put me to shame, brother, because I'm a big sissy. I never get sick, and so when I do get sick, I really am a... Uh, but to, to, see, to see your attitude uh, and, and just wanting God's blessing on your life that's the, the important thing. That's, that's what your pastor is interested in. And, and that, that, that is such a good testimony. How, so people say, well, how can you do that? And then you can just say, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> kind of reminds me of my dad. My dad uh, came to Christ as a, as, as a devout Roman Catholic, and every one of our family was a Catholic. And... Uh, and uh, he, he was not afraid. He actually would share his testimony with them, do everything he could to make them understand the gospel. And I can still remember, I was only about five or six years old at the time, we'd go visit some relatives and they would open, we'd knock on the door and we opened the door. And, and they, even before we would come in the house, they'd look at my dad and they'd say, why would you ever leave the Catholic Church? This was in 1952, so... For, for most of you were even thought of, okay? Uh, <laughs> and I, it was such a good example to me. My dad would smile. He would say, I'm so glad you asked. They were asking to be witnessed to. It's kind of like the Philippian jailer, okay? Paul and Silas really had to go through a lot of suffering and persecution unjustly. But when the Philippian jailer came up and said, what must I do to be saved? They said, now we understand. You guys, you guys have the answer. It's obvious from, your, from your, the, the way that you behave yourself. You can't disconnect the two. And if you, if, if, if you from your heart, not in a holier-than-thou attitude, but in your heart, because you love Jesus. And you, you know, you know what I found out? The most spiritual people are more conscious of sin than, than backslidden people. I don't I know why that is. It should be the other way around. And so it's not, not being a holier-than-thou. It's just being genuine. Just being the Christian that God really wants you to be. Number three. 
Here's, this, this is the most challenging one, okay? You thought the other two were challenging? This is really challenging, okay? Pray for opportunities to witness and be prepared to share your salvation experience through the spoken or written word of God. Can I remind you of the ministry of the Holy Spirit? You remember back in John 16 when Christ was preparing his disciples for the fact that he was going to be going away pretty soon? He says, I, I, I'm going I'm to send the comforter, the parakletos, the one called alongside to help. I'm going to send him to you. And, and when he has come, he is going to reprove or, or convict the world of three things. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Do you understand that the Holy Spirit of God, through the testimony of Christians with their lives and with their mouths, is already preparing you to witness to people? He's, who, who really saves people? God does. We, no, no matter how good our witness or example is, we can't save anybody. But when we, when, when, when we just allow the providence of God to bring us to people at certain times, he will just set the stage for you to make it really unchristian not to give a witness. That's the way I found it to be. And so here's, here's the prayer that I try to pray as consistently as I can. And I'm going to be, it's kind of embarrassing, but God answers that prayer more, more than I can handle it. When I say, Lord, give me an opportunity to witness, I can't believe how many people come up to me and ask, virtually, virtue says, would you, you sound like a spiritual person, pray for me. Tell me what makes this tick. And it's really, it's kind of like the difference between a person who has, let's say, psychological problems. And you say, well, I, you know, that guy really needs some help. And, you know, it's really hard to kind of come right. You know, you really ought to go see uh, somebody who can help you. Or he comes up to you and says, boy, my life is a mess. Do you know anybody who can help me? When you ask God for opportunities to witness, that's the kind of people he'll bring into your life. And you know, the thing is, God is omniscient. And God is completely in control of all the all the details. And I, I don't know if you realize this, but God didn't really need us for this program. <laughs> he could have done a much better job himself, but he involves us. But he knows every one of you, he knows the character and, and, and the way you, you, you communicate. And so he knows which ones at the right time you can talk to. And if you just ask him, I, 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 I dare you, he, he will probably answer it more than you can handle. And, and I, I, I'm ashamed of the times that God has given me opportunities to witness and I didn't wit wasn't the witness I ought to be. So I'm not coming to you as a person who, who thinks that, that they, 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 they've got this down to perfection. But I'm just excited about the fact that we have a God that that is already preparing hearts. He's already prepared you and he can put you in the right situation exactly at the right time in the right place to lead someone to Christ. Now number four, 
Here's where the written part comes in again. If a verbal presentation of the gospel is not convenient or possible, and that does happen, ask God to provide the best opportunity to share the truth of the gospel in the form of a personal written letter. Now, I've already given you the example of my father. I've got some examples written down here. Um, I was six years old when my father was saved in 1952. And uh, we started to attend a Bible preaching Baptist church. And they knew of my dad's testimony. And so the men asked him to share his testimony with, with a big group of men. And my dad, I inherited this from my dad, by the way, had a deathly fear of standing up in front of people and talking. Okay? Uh, you say, wow, you... I still have that fear. I can't do it without the Lord. I, I really can't. Uh, just ask my wife in some circumstances. I'm a, I can be a blithering idiot. My, I can still remember my dad, how many times he wrote down notes and wrote down this to prepare for that. He, as it turned out, he, he, gave, he did a good job of his, giving his testimony, but that was not God's ministry for my dad. He put it in my dad's heart to write that thing out in a form of a tract. It was simply titled, What Christ Has Done For Me. And so he it just explains how he came to Christ. And uh, back in those days, uh, when we would go shopping, mom and the kids would go into the, into the store or the mall. There was actually malls back then, a few of them. Uh, and... Um, my dad would go in the parking lot and he would go through the parking lot and look for uh, St. Christopher uh, uh, um, medallions uh, in the car and he would put one of his tracks there. Well, after that, my dad, because he, he always encouraged people when they read his track to contact him, he had a lot of letters and things like this and so he was led to write four other tracks and actually two books, all designed to help Roman Catholics come to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior. And uh, missionaries have used them. And uh, I could t well, go to the next section and I'll tell you some amazing stories about how God was able to use a person who was pretty fearful of, of talking in front of people. But people, he's used him because he was willing to, to simply write it down and want to share it with people. And pe people that question, he would answer their question. Now, I have an, uh, I, I'm going to skip over. I'll just give you this last one now, and then I'm done. Uh, how God led me to present the gospel to two friends battling cancer uh, when a verbal testimony was not possible. Now, when you get to be my age, um, a lot of people that you know, that I know, or we are friends with, um, have gotten very ill. And some have already died. And um, uh, I remember on one occasion, uh, we were invited over to this fellow in his wife's house. He was very, he, was, he had cancer for a long time. He was close to death. And Joyce and I just really took this. This is, this is the opportunity that I'm going to be able to share the gospel with him. And so it, we were sitting there, and it looked like the time was right. And I said, 
uh, would you mind if I shared to you how I came to know Christ as my Savior? He looked me right in the eye and said, No. Don't ever try to present a gospel to a person like that, okay? Don't, don't, don't do that. I didn't. I, said, I just respectfully said, All right, okay. Well, it really grieved my heart because I thought this was the opportunity. Well, the Lord enabled him to live a little bit longer. And he was back near where we are in, in Maine. And uh, so the Lord put it in our heart. This is where this started. Put it in my heart to uh, uh, give him a card and to write the gospel. Handwrite. Now, this is something maybe very few of you do anymore, is actually write a, handwrite a letter and put... I, did, I, had, I just gave it to him, but you could put it in the mailbox if you want. Could you imagine how exciting it would be to actually get a, a handwritten letter from someone who just really wrote to you what was on their heart? Would you read it? I'm quite sure he read it. He died shortly after that. I don't know. But I am so glad the Lord put it in my heart before he died to give him one more chance to read the gospel. Now, this happened... <laughs> our neighbor next door. He was also been battling cancer for a long time. And this was during COVID and we could not have contact with them even when they were fairly close by us. And again, I was wondering, what should I do? And so uh, the Lord put it in my heart to write a letter and also Joyce did it too. We, we put two letters in with, the, with a card and uh, gave him a presentation of the gospel. You go to the second our next session, when we'll have time, I'll even read the letter to you if, you, if you'd like, just to, get, to give you an, an example. And he's gotten better. He's still alive. And we've noticed that after he... He didn't say one thing about the letter. But we noticed that he was more open to talk about spiritual things. And that our friendship was not hindered or in any way. And so Joyce and I, we just kept on praying that we would get the opportunity, now that COVID is over, uh, to uh, <clears throat> have the chance to verbally pres present the gospel to him. We, we just didn't know when and how it would happen. Well, you know, God's timing is always perfect. How, how long ago? Just uh, two seconds. Okay. They called it, they've never invited, uh, they've, well, I should say, they, for a long time they've never invited us over for dinner. But they invited us, come on over for dinner. Both of us were thinking the same thing. Well, we uh, had a nice dinner. And afterwards, he started telling about the time when he was under his worst treatment that he'd ever experienced. With, and, and he really felt like dying. In fact, he's had one of these kind of what he, we describe as an out-of-body experience. But then finally decided, ah, I guess I don't really want to die right now. Well, it was a perfect opportunity for me to say to him, Bob, do you feel like you're prepared for eternity? And so he gave his answer. We let him talk for a while, but we had two hours to go through the gospel with him. His wife didn't say a word, listened, took it all in. And even though we're still disagreeing about things, our, our friendship's still right there. We still have that con con commitment. <laughs> Folks, 
this is an exciting ministry and you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to have some wild spiritual gift to do it. God wants every one of us involved in this. And I am convinced that that's the way the first century was able to evangelize the world. And now that we're in woke world, okay, the crazy times that we live in, do you know the first incentive? I am not close with this. I, I, I'm within the time limit, unlike uh, a few years ago, okay? <clears throat> um, now I forgot what I was going to say. Joyce, Joyce what, I was, what was I going to say? Okay. We're in, we're in, we're in a, we're in a cra crazy, crazy world these days. But you know something? Not everybody believes that. In fact, there's a lot of people who don't believe it, but they, they're, they're intimidated. Uh, but you know, I think we have a better opportunity for God to connect us with some, somebody that says, boy, this world's going crazy, and my life isn't what it should be. I wish somebody could, could give me some absolute truth from the Word of God. And God wants to use you. He will use you. You really don't even have to ask him, but when you ask him, he'll, he'll give you an unmistakable opportunity. And many times it will be a person who will actually be like the Philippian jailer and just say, what must I do? They probably won't word it like that, but uh, I see you've got it together. Could, could you give me some help? The opportunities are out there and they're, they're, they're growing all the time. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, to share what was on my heart. This is a really on my heart thing that the Lord has shown me and I just want to share it and I, because it's, it's, it's fun. <laughs> In my Bible study book, I say, um, there's no, nothing more joyful than knowing Christ as Savior, but sharing the gospel with others and, and, and discipling them prolongs the joy of soul winning. Think about that. Let's pray. Father, we <clears throat> are so thankful that you are perfect and infinite in all of your attributes and you are so patient with us because we are so far from what you are. And I can't comprehend that you want to use us. But Lord, I just pray that you give every believer here that they would have the faith to trust you to enable them to be involved in the most important ministry going on before you come again. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the previous message. We pray that you were blessed by it. For more information, please visit us at www.ibcnj.org.